0: All right, <clears throat> so I find stuff like this really interesting. Um, that was Daniel Wolpert. He is a neuroscientist uh, from Europe. Um, and if you really think about what he talked about and what we're going to talk about over the course of this quarter, um, it is extremely relevant because uh, what he was saying, if you remember some of his little uh, diagrams, was that you have this, um, this desired movement but then this actual movement. And there's two things that are regulating that movement, which is the sensory input and your beliefs. And all of that can you know, can be very predictable in people like you and me, but if you take an autistic child, you have a very different outcome. Because the autistic child does not have the same sensory input as you and I do. The autistic child does not have the same beliefs as you and I do, because of their wiring. So when you look at an autistic child, you have a very different input and a very different output. And the more severe that autistic child is, the more interesting and different and unpredictable that child's behavior is going to be. So everything he's saying is absolutely correct. So when Daniel Walpert said that the whole point of the brain is to produce movement, that's exactly it. But what happens with a child who's got some uh, who's autistic as an example, is they will not move the same way as you and I move. But the reason they don't move the way you and I move is because they don't perceive the universe the way you and I perceive the universe. Right? And that's why this is relevant. Because if you look at if you look at an autistic child as some broken kid, you're gonna have a very hard time taking care of that kid. Because all you're trying to do is fix them. Right? What we need to do instead is look at them as someone who is having different sensory information. And because they're having different sensory information, they're going to have different response to that sensory information, right? So if, you, if I'm talking and if you have learned over the course of your twenty-something years that when you are listening to someone up in front of the room talking who is your teacher or professor, then you sit there and you pay attention and your eyes are forward and you act like you're doing something that is pertaining to listening, right? Right? So whether you're actually doing listening or you're acting like you're listening because you're very good at it, uh, that's, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. But what happens if over the course of your life that was not something you figured out? If, you did not, if your sensory input didn't figure that stuff out, right? So your sensory input never learned the things that are the social norms and the mores of society Because you're living in your own little world instead of living in the world where you're observing, right? Uh, uh, One of the big things that a a child with autism has an issue with is mirror neurons, right? They don't have... Their mirror neurons didn't work the same way our mirror neurons did. So, uh, your mirror... Like, how did you learn to sit the way you're sitting? Yeah, the other kids did, right? So you you sat in kindergarten or in preschool or whatever, and everybody sat, and all the chairs are facing this way, and the teacher's over here... And she says, okay, class, let's begin. And watch all the kids do that, you're like, okay, this is how I do it. Right? That's pretty much how you did it. Because your mirror neuron said, I'm watching what other people do, and now I'm going to pay attention to this. And you probably saw that when you went to church or temple, and you saw that when your parents went to this movie theater. Right? Every kind of, you, you kind of sit facing somebody or something, and then it's coming this way, so you sit this way. Right? But what happens if you never got that? What happens if your mirror neurons never actually fired that way? So that's not what you receive. So sitting looking at me as I'm t- teaching a class and you're just all playing around or whatever. There's, there's not that they're broken. right? The biggest problem that I see in this country today is we're looking at autistic kids as if they're broken individuals. And they're not broken. They just receive sensory information in a very different way. As eloquently stated by him. Even though he didn't ever mention the word autism whatsoever, to the end he alluded to his use with diseases and stuff. But the real special thing, in my opinion, is this whole point of, we need to look at these kids, and not just autistic kids, but ADHD, and learning disorders, all this kind of stuff. What's happening is, one of two things, either they didn't get something in that they should have got something correctly, or they don't know how to get something out that they got in there and they can't get it out. It's really a problem of one of two things, or both, for that matter. So it's either an input or an output, or both. problem. Um, it's not that they're broken, it's not that they're mean, it's not that they're stupid, not that they're disrespectful, you know, it's not that they're weird or different. It's, it's what they are is a neurodiverse expression of their potential. So you and I, because of our mirror neurons, were able to figure out how to sit and pay attention to me. They can't figure that out. But the deal is, is that they can, right? They can be taught. And what's the what's the principle? What's the one word principle that allows them to be taught? It's neuroplasticity. Right, Neuroplasticity—that's yes. one thing he failed to mention, which I think he should. Neuroplasticity, which is—is—which means that a body can change at any time, at any age, whether they have autism or Alzheimer's. You know, in the different age categories we're talking about, it doesn't make a difference where you're at. You can be—you can change. Now, you may not change hundred percent, but things can change. And that, to me, is the whole key of what we do, and why I teach this class, and why I teach for the ICPA and why I've been doing chiropractic for 26 years with just amazing results. Because change is unbelievable and it's inevitable with the right input. And what is the chiropractic adjustment? It's the right input. It's the right input. That's why when we put our hands on these special needs kids, we get amazing results because we are doing the right input for them, right? For the, their entire lives, they may not have gotten the right input. We're dealing with a three-and-a-half-year-old boy. Well, he's almost four now, uh, but he's starting as a three-and-a-half-year-old boy who is completely nonverbal, and after several months' worth of getting justice, the kid is talking, right? And it wasn't that he wasn't getting therapies before, and it wasn't that he wasn't getting, you know, speech therapy and physical therapy and occupational therapy and stuff, but nobody was doing the right input that he needed, right? That his little body needed the right sensory input, right? So when I adjust his little atlas, I adjust his little cranium, we're giving him the right sensory input. And the parents call me a magician and a hero, but I'm not, all I am is just giving the right sensory input to this kid. And that's your job. And it doesn't have to be an autistic kid, it could be a person with back pain, you know, it could be a, an older person with, you know, headaches, whatever it happens to be. The patients that come into our offices are having erroneous input and or erroneous output, and our job is just to adjust them, in such a way that we are allowing neuroplasticity to change their input or their output. And it's really as simple as that, right? You want to break down functional neurology into very simple terms, that's what it is. And that's why doing the same thing over and over again, I see a lot of chiropractors, nothing wrong with this. A lot of the old time chiropractors are crack, crack, pop, pop, side, side, done, right? You're giving good input, certainly better than no input but you're missing the whole point, which is, what does that person need, right? Like, you're probably, by hitting the high spots, as they used to call it, you're probably doing a pretty decent job at hitting the high spots and getting the right input into people versus no input, but what happens if that person doesn't need that kind of input, right? What happens if that particular person needs a gentle input instead of a high velocity, high force input? Right? Because that's what that person needs. Have you assessed the needs of that particular person? Right? Have you put that person in your equation? And that's my big problem with someone who says, I only do a technique. I am Godstead. I am Activator. I am Thompson. You should be nothing. You should be all different techniques. You should be an amalgamation of techniques. Because some people will need some things at some and other people will need completely different things. So you need to have a a variety of techniques where you have the the more forceful techniques, the very gentle techniques, and the light touch techniques that are hardly even a force, because it depends on where they're at. And so your assessment as a chiropractor should not just include where the subluxations are, but another part of your assessment should be, how should I deliver that adjustment? Right, does an adjustment need to be delivered in a high force, high velocity kind of thing? in a low-force, you know, high-velocity, or in a no-force kind of adjustment. And that's what I think is, that, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, whenever I see anything, this is the take-home I get. Like, it all applies to chiropractic in my brain. Right? And that's what I hope, like, I remember when I was sitting in your shoes, I was like, you know, that's, isn't that a little, like, weird? You know, when all the professors and, and people at DE and movie games would say, like, oh, like everything's chiropractic? And yeah, the answer is everything's chiropractic. You know, I walk down an airport, like we go to Portland this weekend. I don't walk down an airport and my, my wife going to be hitting me because I'm always looking at, look at a posture, look at this, look at that, look at this. I'm oh, you know, like, <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. It's just like, I'm stuck on looking at people's postures and looking at their distortions and and, and like making up stories. I'm like, this is, it, this is a picture. She's like, how do you come up with this stuff? But she does the same thing, right? She could, she could pretty much look at you within about five to ten seconds, probably know a whole lot about you, and you would have no idea how she knows. Right? But she knows it from this end, right? from, the, from the psychology end. I know it from the, from the brain, you know, and the spinal cord and nerve system end. But that's what's going to happen to you over time. If you fall in love with chiropractic the way I fall in love with chiropractic, then you will become this absolute chiropractic weirdo. And, and you start looking at people from this way, And I'm wondering, how come these people aren't under your care? You know, like we go through Atlanta airport, and there's like 100,000 people at 8 in the morning. And I'm like, how come all these people aren't getting adjusted? That's the the thing that goes through my head. It's like, why aren't all these people getting adjusted? And what can I do about it? Right? What can I do about it? And what I'm doing about it is this. I'm teaching you guys because I want you to go out there and touch them. Because I can't reach them all, right? And you individually can't reach them all, but collectively we can reach them all. That's our, our power, is we we have we have a neuroplastic world that is not being reached, and our job is to go out there and help reach them because we can change them, and you know, we can take the babies, you know, like this little boy who's, you know, having such struggles talking My... In my prediction, if, if the parents keep up doing what they're doing and uh, have really keep on buying into what they're buying into, I see this kid not necessarily normalizing because I think he's very severe, but I, th- I see him becoming an active participant in his own world, where right now he isn't. And the whole point is that for the child to live the fullest possible life that they can lead, right? Or the adult that comes into you with back pain is to have them lead a fuller possible life because they can't pick up their kids. Anymore, or they can't play sports the way they used to, or they're grouchy because they're they're in pain all the time. And by helping, doing whatever it is that you do to them, we're going to help them through neuroplasticity change so that they are living their fullest possible potential. Right. So I'm not a back pain fixer-upper. When a chiropractor says I'm a back pain fixer-upper, I'm like, what a, a waste. Right. And aspirin is a back pain fixer-upper. And that's a fine position for some little inanimate object that sits in a bottle. You and me, we got something much much bigger than we gotta do. And that's what we're gonna talk about this quarter. Is is this big job that we got ahead of us, you know? And for those of you who only have me attend 10th quarter, uh, instead of reading green books, I'm gonna show you videos all quarter, and then we're gonna talk about them a little bit. And then we're gonna hit the books and talk about the different topics. You know, this class, we're gonna spend the first half of this class doing a lot of functional neurology kind of some of the basis behind functional neurology and those kind of things. Um, then we have a, um, a midterm week six, and then we'll have um, a uh, you'll have a paper due uh, an abstract due week eight, which we will talk about a little bit, uh, but it's, it's not long; it's short. Uh, and then we'll have a final in week eleven. But the whole, and, and what we'll do in the, in the second half of the class, we'll talk about nutrition, we'll talk about exercise, we'll talk about trauma, um, those kind of things, because I really want to hit home some of the, the seriousness of what we're going to see. And I'm going to use a lot of books to illustrate the points of, of what we have to you know, kind of go through. So I hope you're as excited as I am to do this, because to me,